0: Hey everybody, JJ Cooper, Cowglazer, Jeff Ponce here at Baseball America. Trade deadline analysis, uh, a lot happened today, lot's happened this week. I think that we just literally hit publish on our last of 40 trades that we analyzed over the last, uh, you know, over this month. I I think something like that. Um, That's a lot. I know that much. But what we're going to do tonight is just kind of cover some of the The big picture stuff. If you want to go really granular, we have it all there. We have it at baseballamerica.com. But the, the thing that I think is most logical to start with, I'll start with you, Kyle, is the trade deadline is now over. On the buyer side, we'll get to the sellers, but on the buyer side, who do you look at and say, you know, that's a team that really did a lot to help themselves and put themselves in good position for the rest of the season?
1: Yeah, absolutely. To me, the team that stands out the most is having helped themselves on the buy side is the Angels. As I wrote a week ago, the Angels made the right decision keeping Shohei Otani. They're firmly in the thick of the playoff race, but they did a smart thing, not just keeping him and saying, okay, we're going to go for it as is. They said, we're going to keep them. And now we're going to go all in to put Everything we have into making the postseason. I thought the acquisitions of Luke, Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez were very, very good and very, very smart. But I also like the way they added on to it, acquiring CJ Crohn, acquiring Randall Gritchuk for you know, two pitching prospects who are in low A and, and they're okay, but by no means studs. You've got two everyday middle of the order hitters. And they really needed Grichik after Taylor Ward, uh, unfortunately, was hit by a pitch in the face and suffered some pretty scary facial fractures. You add in the acquisition of Dominic Leon today to just add a little more bullpen depth. The Angels, realistically, if you look at the players they gave up, Edgar Caro is their best prospect in the deals they made, but he wasn't going to play a role for them because Logan O'Happy Ohap- Ohap- is their long term catcher. Kai Bush is really the only player they traded where you can say, yeah, that one might eventually hurt. But to get five big leaguers potentially only give up one prospect who really probably might potentially hurt you down the road, I think it's a clear trade deadline win for the Angels every move they've made over the last week, and it's put them in a much better position to actually get to the postseason. They're three games out as we sit here. They're very much in this race, and and I think they have a real shot now.
0: Okay, Jeff, same thing. Who do you think? Who do you look at and say, yeah, thumbs up, you've helped yourself?
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with the Rangers here, actually. Um, you know, I thought that the Astros trade of, of Verlander was a great fit for team and player. But I think we need to take a step back. Um, they acquired not only Max Scherzer. They acquired another good rotation lefty in Jordan Montgomery. This is a team now that has, even with the loss of Jacob deGrom, which is obviously a big one that looms large. And, you know, Eovaldi going on the IL. We know We don't know how long he'll be out. Certainly there's uh, a long injury history there. But adding two legitimate rotation pieces that I think are top three to four guys in pretty much every rotation, they now have six legitimate starters, um, you know, on this team, even with the loss of those two guys. Having that depth time and time again has proven to be money in the playoffs. So I think the Rangers are really building a team that's going to be a formidable challenge in the playoffs. You look at the lineup, you look at the bullpen. And then um, you know they also made some acquisitions earlier with like a this you know Chapman and others. So I'm going to give it to the Rangers here, but it seems like the AL West there were a lot of buyers and they did well for themselves.
0: I will just add to that. I think that the Rangers we also saw the value of if you have uh, some fixtures on your big league club at positions and you develop prospects at those spots, it gives you a little bit more freedom to trade. You look at a Luis on uh, Acuna. Good prospect, really good prospect. We really like him. I but if you said where is he gonna play in Texas anytime soon? And I go, second base, no, shortstop, no, third base, no. I that's where he should play, somewhere in the infield, somewhere in the dirt. And they're kind of they're not just covered there. They kept you know, Duran. They still have Josh Smith. They're kind of double covered there. So yeah. uh, again, that also went out and got Austin Hedges, very minor deal, but get a little bit more catching depth.
2: OK, didn't, so that didn't, right. didn't have to move Evan Carter or Sebastian Walcott, who are, you know, two premium prospects at this point in time in that system that I'm sure probably could have fetched a, another superstar star type of player. So good on them to also sort of trade the right assets potentially too to get these players in the fold. OK, now
0: we're going to flip it. Kyle, who is a seller that you look at and say kudos to what you did today?
1: Or yeah, week, or this month. Yeah, I think the White Sox did a really, really, really good job. Look, this is a team that's been going in the wrong direction for a couple of years now. Um, Clearly, the core they've built it, it just has not developed or worked as hoped, and it was time for them to kind of go. I don't know if we say headfirst into a rebuild, but start trading some significant pieces, and they did that and got some really good players back. I talked about Edgar Caro and Kai Bush. Both of them are really, really good prospects. They brought in Nick Nastri. They brought in Jake Eater. And they brought in three pretty good pitching prospects, all of whom have time at double A and above. A really good switch hitting young catcher who's at double A. Um, they, they got some other pieces as well kind of further down. But I think anytime you can get three legitimate starting pitching prospects at double A or above and a potentially a really good everyday switch hitting catcher who's also double A or above, I mean, that's a really, really good trade haul. And I think it's one that puts the White Sox in good position to contend relatively soon. It's not like they went ahead and acquired a bunch of guys in the DSL or complex leagues who are super risky. And you look even like Corey Lee getting him and seeing, hey, if we can make him even a backup catcher, that's going to help. Um, Jordan Leisure is a good reliever, throws hard. He's you know striking out almost 15 per night at Double I thought they did a good job getting quality prospects and guys who can help them theoretically within the next year or two, as opposed to four or five years down the line.
0: I'm a fan of them getting Eater for burger. Nice, nice pickup. Okay. Jeff, what about for you? Who is a team, a seller that you feel like has really done well for themselves over this month?
2: Yeah, I think it's the Cardinals. Um, You know, having covered this system, it's gotten thinner and thinner, (laughs) you know, and they've had a decent amount of graduations, of course, that's kind of behind that, but they haven't done a great job of backfilling. They've had a lot of injuries to some of these pitchers that they've drafted over the last couple of years and some, you know, higher dollar lottery tickets over the last few years in the draft really haven't worked out. Some of those guys are out of the organization already. They really need to sort of backfill. And I felt like at this deadline, they did a good job of not detracting from their main core, which they do have a pretty strong core, um, especially in the position group right now, that should, you know, be good for years going forward. They traded away a lot of a lot of you know peripheral pieces, secondary guys, guys with expiring deals, and were able to bring in, you know, a good cache of talent um across the board and you know, a handful of deals that they made. Um, they added guys with stuff. I think Showalter Walter is one that's really interesting. Outside of Tink Hence, they probably don't have a pitching prospect that has stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of pitchability lefties already, and and Drew Rome, though not a strike thrower. Um, is you know a deceptive, tricky lefty and kind of fits uh, that Cardinals mold. But I felt like overall they added solid players across the board and uh, were able to move out some pieces and potentially open up spots for some of the young players in the upper minors. Mason Wynn might have an opportunity now to slide in as an everyday shortstop and you know sort of get his feet his feet wet over uh, the last couple months of the
0: season. It would seem almost to be crazy not to see that because you're talking about in Wynn's case, He's been really good in AAA, and he is your shortstop of the future. Why not find out so that when, he, when 2024 rolls around, he'll be acclimated to the big leagues, clearly established rather than just breaking him in at that point. That makes a, a ton of sense. Kind of along those lines also, I feel like when the when the last trade, the Cardinals trade, the Flaherty trade to the Orioles came out, the first names we heard were, okay, it's going to be Rom you know, okay, it's Prieto. And that seemed a little light, just a touch, but then when we find out, oh, it's Showalter as well. That makes a difference because really, as I see it, Showalter may be the furthest away of those guys, but he's he's the one who, if we look back on this trade five years from now and go, oh yeah, that was really a nice pickup. Showalter's the, the guy who could be the impact guy, right?
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I also wouldn't sleep on, you know, if they can unlock something with Decoa Roby. He's a really interesting player as well. Um, and I think Samra Bursi, though, you know, doesn't have the fastball quality um, that you have with Walter. He has the secondaries. He's pitched in A, still only 21 years old. He's I think he's more intriguing because of, you know, his background being a, a true European prospect. He's a guy that I don't think is all that far off from potentially, you know, providing major league innings as a starter um, or maybe a long reliever early on. Um, I don't know if the ceiling is like mid rotation, but, you know, I think they added a couple of guys with number four, number five sort of upside. And then Walter is the guy that I think that has the highest ceiling, but there's certainly a fair level of risk
0: um, for a guy like that. The other thing that stands out, Prieto, we talked about trading from surplus, and we said with the with the Rangers and Luis Angel Lacuna. Okay, let's talk about the Orioles and the infield. And like, well, what, what Prieto's situation went from to where it goes to now? Because before, he was looking at it's like, well, if I can beat out Gunnar Henderson and Jorge Mateo and Jordan Westberg and Joey Ortiz and Connor Norby and – Well, Kobe Mayo's over at third, maybe. And I'm sure I'm leaving one or two more guys out. But, like, it was that deep, that kind of stacked, And the Orioles just added a vital arm that they need, especially with Tyler Wells being sent to the minors, kind of sounding like he's tired and maybe almost out of innings. They needed rotation help. And they traded probably their eighth best middle infielder uh, your seventh, you know, eighth inf- best infielder yeah. prospect in the in the, you know, in the deal. That's that sounds like a, a logical deal to me. Kyle, I, I do want to flip it a little bit more to the prospect side. Is again, I'll just I'm kind of throwing this at you, but and Jeff, I'll be throwing it at you next, so you can be thinking about this. Who's a prospect that, you know, was traded? We've talked about some already, but someone you're like, you know, I, I think that's the one I'm going to be interested to see kind of how they develop in their in their new organization
1: yeah thomas segacy who the rangers uh, sent to the cardinals i think is someone that's very very underrated in the prospect world he can really really hit you know it's kind of an old school no batting gloves kind of hitter but he's got strong hands hits for average he hits for power he's up to double a he's got some versatility can play in the middle infield this is the type of player the cardinals especially develop really 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 well I think he's someone that we could look up in a few years and is playing you know, an everyday role for them as as potentially a, a starting player on a contending team. Again, the average is there. The power is there. He still chases sliders a little bit, but not to the point where it seriously takes away from his ability to make an impact as a hitter. He can run a little bit. There's above average raw power in there. This is a really good player that I think, because he doesn't have the biggest tools and isn't the twitchiest athlete in the world, sometimes gets buried a little bit. It would not shock me at all if we look up in a few years and he's had a better career than most of the prospects traded today.
0: Being able to hit is the most important thing for a position player, and Thomas Segaysi can hit. That's that's, and, and again, and not is it not a complete butcher in the field by any stretch as well. I mean, so that is something. Okay, Jeff, now I'm putting you on the spot. Who's a prospect that we haven't talked about already that was traded that you're like, yeah, I, I'm very interested to see how this player does in their new organization.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm interested in how Kyle Manzardo does in his new organization. Um, you know, I know that there's been some warts this year in terms of that profile. Um, I think we also have to keep, you know, in mind that it's a second full professional season. He's up in AAA has been there all year long. I know he's dealt with some injuries as well. Um, so I want to see if he can rebound a little bit. I do think that the type of player he is, though, it's maybe not 60 impact. Um, there's 20, 20 home runs sort of upside there. He's certainly the type of player, you know, guy that can drive in some runs um, that the Guardians need pretty badly. But another guy that I think guy I'm probably watching the most, though, after saying all that is uh, Justin Jarvis who was traded to the Mets, he's a really interesting prospect. Um, one of the induced vertical break leaders uh, in terms of the entire minor leagues. Um, the numbers that we have, it's it's over 20 inches of induced vertical break. It's a ton of hop on that fastball. It's almost a split-like changeup that's really interesting. And he's got a sweeper as well that's pretty hard. So kind of a three-pitch mix there. We've seen him have some success as a starter before, just a matter of, building up innings, staying healthy, et cetera. And we'll see, you know, where that goes. But um, he's interesting just just from the simple fact that upper minor sort of guy and, you know, potentially could be in the mix next year for starts uh, if he proceeds that way. But kind of an interesting arm that the uh, Mets added, you know, among all this flurry of deals that they made.
0: So what did you also – we saw a couple of first-rounders I – mean, you're not ever a former first-rounder, you're a first-rounder. So we saw a couple of first-rounders dealt – one of the ones I think was probably most interesting is Khalil Watson uh, goes from the Marlins to the Guardians, speaking of the Guardians and making moves. They were, Banzardo being a second rounder, but again, also a top 100 prospect. Khalil Watson used to be a top 100 prospect, but has really struggled at times in his Marlins uh, career. I'll start with you, Kyle. Like, Is there, how much of a, uh, of a chance do you think there is for him to kind of bounce back? Or is this buying low or is this, the Marlins trading away someone who was quite prominent at one point, but kind of clearing the the decks with the first rounder and being able to say, Oh, okay, I, I traded him. See, we got value for him before we we turn around. A la what they did with Colin Moran many years ago.
1: Yeah, I think this is more of a ladder deal. I understand, you know, the Guardians taking a shot on Khalil Watson. Um, this is the second straight year. He's just Shown no ability to hit. Uh, it's been even worse this year. Uh, before gone, the IL is hitting 206. Again, you know, he's a good athlete. There's some speed in there, but he's not hitting for average. He's not hitting for power. Um, the, the, the pure hitting ability just is not there and has not been there really since he entered professional baseball, aside from a very short stint in Florida Complex League. Again, this is something where maybe a fresh start in a new organization can help him. Um, but the Guardians don't exactly have the best track record of developing hitters. There are a few few examples, but um, it's by no means an organization that's been turning out hitters, especially from the lower levels, over and over and over again. I think this is the Marlins kind of cutting bait. And look, he's still young. He's a good athlete. We'll see if something clicks. Um, but you certainly shouldn't go into this expecting the Guardians getting a steal here if he's able to figure things out with them. At this point, it would have to qualify as a pleasant surprise, just given how poor he's fared as a hitter.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. And I'll ask the same thing to you, Jeff. What do you think the the chances of a Khalil Watson bounce back?
2: Um, I feel like I've been caught in this one in consecutive off seasons because I thought he was going to bounce back this year. Um, Always looks really good in spring training. Know that the Guardians organization has been high on Watson dating back to his time as an amateur. Um, I do think the change of scenery isn't bad. Um, While the Guardians track record, you know, in terms of churning out like high level – position players isn't great um if they can get him back to more of you know bat to ball skills and you know utilizing some of that approach i think the bat speed can probably take care of some of the power Um, because it's still definitely there he's only 20 years old Um, we know he's had some on-field incidents and maturity stuff that has been a problem um but we'll see i mean maybe just a new organization new people in his ear new hitting instructors etc um you know, and for what it's worth, I mean, they do have a they do have a heavily homegrown lineup from players that have spent I think other than miles I oh. pretty much spent time in the minor league. So will he turn into a, like a uh, the superstar that we potentially thought he was when he's compared to all these other high level shortstops that have been really productive in pro ball? No. um but I think there's still a shred of a uh, chance that he's an average everyday regular um, if they can sort of cultivate this and get the right attitude, et cetera out of him.
0: And I think with that one thing, the Guardians obviously emphasize that to ball skills, and that's probably the thing that Khalil Watson needs to work on the most. So yes. we will see how that works out. And but that is clearly something that they emphasize in their uh, in their farm system much, you know, more so than power. Okay, in Watson's case, he can trade some of that power for if he can improve his contact rate, all that. So we've covered winners. Now I'm not going to say losers because we've saw, seen that sometimes teams kind of sit out the trade deadline significantly and it, it doesn't really hurt them. But I will ask you, we saw some teams, Kyle, we saw some teams that, that didn't do a whole lot. I, I know, you know, if I, I think that let's put it this way, if you're a Yankees fan today and you're watching this, you're probably not thinking that the acquisition of Kenyon Middleton and Spencer Howard today has, okay, Great. We did everything that I hoped we, you know, you hope to see them do uh, at the deadline. But the Yankees didn't do much. The Red Sox didn't do much. The Twins didn't do much. I would say the Guardians for a team that's in it, Kyle Lanzardo's on the IL right now. They traded away a DH and they didn't really bring in a whole lot of, guys, whole lot of players who are going to help them right now. And they traded away a rotation stalwart and Aaron Savali. Which of those, which of the teams that didn't move or didn't make many moves, do you kind of think, well, they probably shouldn't have sat this out?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think really it's more you look at the Guardians acting as sellers. I mean, this is a team that's still in the race for the American League Central, but the moves they made were firmly those of a selling team that doesn't believe they're good enough to make the postseason. Um you don't get better trading away in Aaron Savale for prospect and Kyle Mazzardo this year. Um, you know, trading Josh Bell again—he hasn't been the most productive in the world. But um, again, that's that's a seller's kind of move. I think the Guardians essentially waving the white flag and and punting, and that's that's what they did with these moves. Um, was probably the most disappointing, especially I think if you're a Guardians fan, considering they're one game back of first place in the division. You know, in terms of the Yankees, that the fact is this is just not a very good team. Um, this was not a team that you could fix in one trade deadline. I actually, think they did the smart thing, standing pat, as opposed to ill-advisedly packaging every prospect they had to try and get an impact player or two. Um, this is a team that's many, many, many pieces away, and even if they made those moves, I think they're pretty clearly a bottom-tier team in the AL West, AL East, excuse me, talent-wise. Um, this is this is a team that maybe you were hoping to sneak into the last wild card spot and there's just too many holes trying to fix them on trade deadline the team i actually think you have to be a little disappointed in is the orioles going and getting jack flaherty was really really good but they had so much excess prospect depth they could have traded only getting one starting pitcher they need a lot more. You talked about Tyler Wells being up against his innings limit, getting sent down. Kyle Braddish is pushing up against his innings limit. Dean Kramer's pushing up against his innings limit. This is a rotation that's very middle of the pack. As of right now, they're 16th in Major League Baseball in ERA, and most of their best starters are already past their career highs in innings and have a long way to go to hold up the rest of the season. This was a team that really needed at least two starters and, and maybe even – a third kind of arm they could get to kind of help them out. You look at what Brian Yarborough was, just something like that. The back end was like a third edition the Orioles could have made. The Orioles did something, and that was good, but they needed to do more to, again, keep a hold of the best record in the, American League, in the American League. This is a team that has a chance to represent the AL in the World Series. I don't think they did enough to help solidify their standing.
0: What about you, Jeff?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I think you take a look at the Yankees, the resources that they have, um, the expectations that they have year in and year out. Um, and they have some players that I think were movable. Um, Chase Hampton probably would have netted them something really interesting in terms of another starting pitcher reinforcements and, you know, that lineup, um, you know, it, it's a it's a fairly close division right now. I mean, they're four games back of the Blue Jays. Um, they're the Yankees. Like, I just anticipate. I think just growing up, you anticipate the Yankees are going to go out there, make some splashy moves, and you know, bring in talent that's going to allow them to make a, a push over the final two months of the season. Um, and we just haven't seen that sort of urgency recently from from Cashman. And uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't I, at this point. I don't know if they're sort of accepting the fact that they've fallen behind the Orioles and the Rays and, and the Blue Jays and to a degree, the Red Sox, though it's only a game. Um, you know, if I was a Yankees fan, the amount of money that organization has to acquire players, um, it obviously goes beyond just the trade deadline, but I feel like they've just consistently swung and missed over and over and over again, at every opportunity they've had to acquire difference making players um, and just brought in a lot of guys that have frankly been injured and spent more time uh, in the training room than they have on the field. So, you know, I think that was just, dis- that's certainly disappointing. I-, I don't disagree with what Kyle said um, about the Orioles either. The one I'm gonna throw a little shade at though is uh, the Braves. I'm-, I'm shocked that they didn't make any sort of big moves at another player. Um, they're the best team in the league right now at 67-37. Uh, and I just don't know if that holds up over the course of a long season. Um, with some of the agents and the arms that they have track record, you know, mileage, et cetera. So I was expecting them to be a bigger player, maybe swoop in and make a big deal. They didn't end up doing that. Um, And, you know, I think when you look at a team like the Rangers, uh, if we're going to place odds right now, based on some of the moves that they made, I think they have probably the highest, (laughs) the highest chances I would say of uh, potentially making a long playoff run and winning the world series. How much of this,
0: for both of you guys but i guess kyle first like how much of this is like the braves didn't make you know like that extra arm it did feel like at the we talked about been a lot of talk about how this is a seller's market this year but the other thing that kind of stands out with that is is that today like if you're the dodgers right and they were clearly in on eduardo rodriguez multiple reports Mm -hmm. that they basically had lined up a deal to acquire eduardo rodriguez but eduardo rodriguez has a there's a no trade clause, and he says no. And that was kind of like there in the Dodgers' attempt to add a playoff starter to their. Nothing against Ryan Yarbrough, but if Ryan Yarbrough starts a playoff game for the Dodgers this offseason, probably things have gone a little bit astray. Um, so I look at that. I look at the Braves. I wonder, like, if the Braves were in on a, say, Flaherty or someone like that and then failed, you know, like, but you don't win that, you don't win the deal, I do feel like that this was a year where the number of starters who were available who could actually really kind of help a team were fewer, definitely fewer than the number of teams who could really use the starter. And so I feel like that today that some of this was kind of the race to, to not overpay, but at the same time make a deal because if you get the rug pulled up because someone else makes the deal you're kind of buying the last uh you know <laughs> so the, the 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 last gallon of gas before the gas station closes basically
1: yeah look this was a deal that was uh, a deadline excuse me that was ruled by starters on the move. You talk about Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Lucas Giolito, Jack Flaherty, Lance Lynn, Michael Lorenzen, Jordan Montgomery, all the way down to Rich Hill, Aaron Savali. I mean, there were a lot of starting pitchers on the move, but there's no question. And we had talked about this uh, going into the final weekend before the deadline. 20 of the 30 teams were within five games of a playoff spot. There were a lot more buyers than there were sellers. And the Padres were one of the teams that was beyond more than five games out and they became a buyer. So there just weren't that many teams that were selling. And I think that's where the teams that kind of jumped the rest of the pack a little bit to make moves early, like the Angels did, they came out ahead a little bit. Um, You know, the Dodgers did go get Lance Lynn. They did go get Joe Kelly. I think with the Dodgers, it's, it's a curious and risky deadline strategy they employed, which was essentially... We're going to acquire a bunch of guys who are having bad years that we think we can fix. Lance Lynn, Joe Kelly, Kike Hernandez, Ahmed Rosario. All these guys are having really, really rough years. Really, Ryan Yarbrough is probably the guy having the best year of anyone they acquired, especially since he came back from that really, really scary line drive he took off the face. He's actually been really good as a traditional starter uh, since he came back here in July, but it's risky. The Dodgers, we all know they have probably the best uh, apparatus at helping players improve in Major League Baseball, but putting most of your deadline strategy on guys that fit in the, hey, we think we can fix them bucket, it's very, very risky, and I'll be curious to see how effectively they can actually do it.
0: Before I go to you, Jeff, uh, I I will give a shout out to David Wickham with the comment that Spencer Howard for cash was the Yankees' best deadline move, and kind of, Basically, a shaking of the head. Yeah, that's that's an understandable one. That's not a uh, not a blockbuster. That's going to to change things dramatically. Um, I to wrap this up because we want to keep this about thirty minutes. Um, Jeff, as we look at this, are there any trends? Like one thing that stands out to me. Wrote about this before the 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 end of the day today. Before the big deals happen today, it is notable to me that as normal, we saw a few back of the top 100 prospects traded no front of the top 100 no top 20 prospect was moved anything like that but i i do want to ask with this like we talk about this kyle's written about this i've written about this i do think that fans when it comes to we are a prospect website we love prospects that said i just again today shake my head there are pri- players being traded who will help big league clubs and the cost to acquire them like we mentioned the braves right the braves picked up in the, probably one of their bigger moves brad hand not a big move but nothing against alec barger that's that's the kind of trade you do a thousand times over do you not like I, it just struck me that there were deals done today where the prospect cost was someone who probably won't be protected come this off season for the real five draft. Is that a fair way to put it, Jeff?
2: Yeah. I think there were a few guys that got moved like that where there were some questions. Um, Yeah. I, you know, I felt like this is kind of funny to say, but I felt like there were a handful of really big moves, almost blockbusters, the mid range. And there were a lot of small deals. There felt like there was a lack of like mid range deals of, average regulars and like above average regulars, those type of players kind of moving that we've seen in previous years. Um, So I don't know if that's necessarily a trend as much as it was something that just kind of stuck out to me. Um, And I I think the other main trend is it was a lot like that 2016 trade deadline where we saw like the Yankees were sellers and some teams that typically are never sellers were uh, particularly, you know, in the Cardinals and, I think if you go back and you look at our predictions prior to the season, the Mets kind of fall into that category as well, as I think myself as well as others picked them to at least win the NL, if not win the World Series. Um, so, you know, we saw some teams sort of put the foot on the gas and accelerate the rebuild uh, with some of the pieces that they could move without really slashing anything of their main cores of the future. Uh, and those are two big-ticket teams, I'd say, probably among the top five or six in baseball, when we look at the Mets and the Cardinals.
0: So Kyle, I'll give you the last word. What's anything else that stood out from, you've covered a lot of these trade deadlines for us now. So anything that really stood out?
1: I think what just stands out about this trade deadline, and we knew this going in, that pitching was going to be what was the most in demand, but you look at the caliber of arms moved, really the quantity and the quality compared to the quantity and quality of the hitters moved. it's, It's two completely different tiers. Again, we talked about, you know, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Lucas Gilito, Jack Flaherty, Lance Lynn. you know, all these guys are, are having maybe below average years compared to their career norms, but these are still good pitchers. You know, Michael Lorenzen, Jordan Montgomery, Rich Hill, Aaron Saval. I mean, these are starters in a rotation who can help you in the bullpen, you know, Paul Seawalt, Jordan Hicks, David Robertson. These are really, really good relievers. And then you go to the bats and it's, you know, Carlos Santana, CJ Krohn, Jamer Candelario. Those are kind of the best hitters that were moved. So, we really, really saw the demand for pitching at this trade deadline and how much teams were willing to give up for it. There were some, some steep prospect costs paid for pitching, whereas on the hitting side, there just was not nearly as much demand and the prospect cost was significantly less.
0: Well, again, Paul DeYoung, we don't know how much he's going to play in, in Toronto, but that's a guy who's been a multi-year regular at shortstop. And the Cardinals basically paid the remain, I mean, paid down his salary. And the prospect return, the prospect return was again, nothing against our, our pick as the best late round draft pick in the 2021 draft for the Blue Jays. But it, it, it wasn't the uh, it wasn't high cost. Let's, let's just no, put it that way.
2: Not, not a top 30 guy. And I wouldn't even say among their top five to six relief prospects in the upper minors. And he did technically just get promoted to New Hampshire on monday
0: but well we're gonna wrap it up there we wanted to keep this relatively tight but thank you everyone for coming out we really do appreciate it. if you do check us out check us out at baseballamerica.com. we have so much stuff from today and we're not done we will continue tomorrow we will rank every prospect who was traded we're recording this on trade deadline night tomorrow we plan to have a ranking of every prospect who was traded during the trade deadline month. So we'll see how they all line up. It's something we do every year. I promise you right now, I'll give you advance warning. We're going to miss on someone because when Jordan Alvarez is traded for Josh Fields, we're not going to necessarily know to put Jordan, who had yet to play a professional game at that point. I promise you this, the Astros didn't all gather together that night and say, the front office and say, celebrate we just landed one of the best bats that's going to be in the big leagues and we're going to help ourselves win a world series today because we just picked up jordan alvarez because if they did he wouldn't have been available for josh fields no one knew at that time again this is what's great about this we're going to miss on one or two of those but i promise you this it's a very well informed list kyle's working on it now i'm we're all helping on it but it's it'll be something to help you get a context of what happened obviously check out all the updated top 30s we haven't updated with the trades yet but that lets you know where these guys are now not what they were in preseason but where they are now and there's so much other great stuff baseballamerica.com and as always thank you to all you subscribers